Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast. Um, this is, yes, this is the Moms and Murder Podcast. We have a different intro there. Everybody says they want a different intro until we do a different intro. And then they're like, no, not like that. What are you guys doing? So, hi, everybody. It's me, Mandy. And of course, my lovely co host, Melissa, is here with us today for this very, very crazy episode that we have. Hello, Melissa. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> This episode, this story has me just feeling all out of sorts. <laughs> I am concerned. This feels like an intervention. I don't know what's going on. Wow. Yes, this story is truly something else. You've never heard of it. I've never heard of it. I came across it like looking for new stories. Wow. Just wow. Yeah, that's all you can say. I had no idea until I really started diving in that this was going to be as crazy of a story as it has turned out to be. So I am super duper excited to get right into it this week and just waste no time. We don't have anything important to say anyway. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you are coming in hot this episode. I love it. <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to hit all those hit all those points. Get right to the point. That's what we're doing. There we today. go. <laughs> all right. So as we said, you know, we haven't even really gotten started. And I already think this is going to be one of our favorite episodes that we've ever covered or one of our favorite cases that we've ever covered, because it truly is stranger than fiction. We've joked on the show before about my love of silly conspiracy theories, and it's not that I believe in them. I just like reading about different ones, and I find them fascinating and fun to follow. If anything, it can be great material for a laugh or for a good joke. Some of these conspiracy theories out there are so ridiculous, though, that I really can't imagine anyone actually believing in them. But today's story proves that there are people out there with some bizarre beliefs, and these people manage to find like-minded followers, and then, boom, next thing you know, you've got a cult. It's like the perfect recipe, really. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, you know, I'm sure the steps to that process are a lot more detailed, but in our story today, ending up in a cult was the end result for a man named Stephen Minio. And just what kind of cult was this? The kind that fears reptilians and the new world order that the reptilians are allegedly ushering in. So when I said this might be one of my favorite episodes of the podcast, I meant that it's because I get to take this opportunity to explain a little about these specific conspiracy beliefs and how they pertain to this very bizarre case we have to share today. 
Of course, we could just get right into the story and tell you what happened, but understanding the level of bananas behind the madness really helps put this whole thing into a better perspective. So without further ado, and much to my personal excitement, I have perfectly set Melissa up to tell you all about reptilians. <laughs> so uh, just a side note here, if you are a Patreon patron and have been for a while, you have probably heard some of this next part on Patreon. We did an episode a long time ago about conspiracy theories, and there was a little portion we did on reptilians. So um, I did recycle a little bit of that research. And if it sounds familiar, that is where you have probably heard it from. Oh, gosh. And I chose to forget everything I could about this. <laughs> so this is basically all new information for me. So disclaimer, this is a very surface level explanation of what this conspiracy theory is all about. And we're not dedicating this whole episode to explaining it at length. But honestly, believe us when we say you can find a ton of information about this on the old Google. A ton. Yeah. <laughs> more, more than you want to. So we're just going to tell you enough to make the rest of the story make sense. So the conspiracy theory about reptilians is like a top-tier conspiracy theory to believe in. This is high-level conspiracy stuff. Your average everyday conspiracy enthusiast doesn't even believe in this one. And for most people, the journey to actually believing in reptilians is paved with hundreds of lesser conspiracy beliefs. In other words, no one wakes up one day and decides reptilians are real. There's like a multi-step conspiracy theory process before you reach this level. This reminded me of like an MLM. There's like so many different yes. levels before you get to the <laughs> leggings. Yeah. And I've even seen on, I've seen like um, conspiracy, like memes on Facebook where it's like an iceberg and then it like breaks down like the levels. Like it's just like a funny thing, right. like saying like, you know, you know, some like the tip of the iceberg, you start here and then eventually you get like down to these crazy beliefs of like believing in reptilians and stuff, but it's very far like down, right. you know, the hierarchy. And so, yeah, this is definitely not something that is a super common belief, thankfully. But doesn't it make you wonder if you know anyone that believes it? As like I've been reading For this sure. and stuff, I'm like, this means somebody <laughs> I know actually believes this and I need to know who it is. Actually, I don't want to know. Please don't tell me. So <laughs> the reptilian theory was first popularized by a man named David Icke in 1998. He is considered a professional conspiracy theorist. The theory claims that there are shape-shifting lizard people that run the world. This is not limited to world leaders and government figureheads. Nay, it also includes corporate executives and basically every single celebrity in Hollywood. While this may seem like an absurd and absolutely ridiculous theory, according to a 2013 poll, as many as 12 million Americans actually believe this to be true. <laughs> That's a lot that of people. is much more than I'm comfortable with thinking believe this. <laughs> So now 12 million seems like a lot of people, but it's actually one of the less popular theories out there. For instance, over 20 million people believe the moon landing was actually faked. So we're dealing with a relatively small population that believes in a reptilian elite. According to David, reptilians have been present since ancient times. There was a rift in the space-time continuum, which is already where what? you lose me. <laughs> Near, yeah, me too. I'm already gone. <laughs> Near the constellation Draco, and this is where the interdimensional shape-shifting lizard people came from. He claimed that these reptilians have bred with humans throughout history and that their only purpose is to enslave the human race and take over the world. <laughs> yeah, I will say that like whenever they say that, I'm like, oh, I have met people that feel like snakes and <laughs> oh, no. maybe they're part of it, right? That. I can oh, believe Call them, them out. I, call them out right here. <laughs> no. I could, but then I'll go through editing later and be like, I can't say any of that. <laughs> so by crossbreeding with humans, their DNA is able to infiltrate our minds and make us dumber, slower, and weaker, which makes us easier to control. That part of the theory, I can kind of get behind. <laughs> the reptilians are allegedly here on Earth to mine for monotomic gold, which they need to boost their nervous systems. <laughs> And we just need this to drink water. This is so silly. <laughs> I know. This is super silly. Yeah. <laughs> so they also get their life energy from human suffering. So they love it when there is war and mass hatred occurring among us. Some of the proof of this claim stems from the fact that human embryos resemble that of reptiles. And the oldest part of our brain, or the reptilian brain. Our lizard brains. Wait, what? <laughs> it's They call that our lizard brain. Our lizard. Oh, I've heard that, but I... Yeah, no, <laughs> that's where this comes nope, from. Never. <laughs> I chose to disassociate that. 
Um, <laughs> so our lizard brain is made of the same structures that the reptilian brain has, which are the brainstem and the cerebellum. So, Mandy, how can you know if you or someone you love has been possessed <laughs> by an alien reptile? Great question. Here are some of the qualities that reptile people have. Green or hazel eyes that change color, but also blue eyes, piercing eyes, oh, narrow slit eyes. I'm still in the running. You're already out. How am I out? You don't have brown eyes. I mean, you have brown eyes. You have green eyes. I you have hazel eyes. <laughs> you don't have blue eyes. They're green. Okay. Yeah, they're green. Sorry. Why did I think brown? Okay. Um, next one. True red or reddish hair. Uh, may, it could be you. It could be leaning towards it's you. It's not me. I've spawned red. <laughs> I have red spawned. A red spawn sun. Uh, being tall. Oh. Ooh. They, back they in. I'm back in, baby. <laughs> Low blood pressure. A million percent. <laughs> Mine is barely alive and I don't know how. Um, good eyesight and hearing. That's not I'm me. back out. I'm yeah. back out. Yeah. <laughs> a love is, of space and science. Absolutely not. I can't pronounce anything <laughs> we've been talking about. UFO connections, alien contacts, and a sense of not belonging to the human race. I back think in. I'm, yeah, back in for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this sounds like my son. I don't know what his blood pressure is, but... Otherwise, he literally has all these things. Oh my gosh, my husband's an alien. I had a baby with an alien. I'm sorry, world. <laughs> so anyway, so back to the story. Sorry. So then why don't we actually see these giant lizard creatures roaming the streets? Easy. They wear human suits and they're already humanoids. <laughs> I feel like I've met those too. But many reptilians are thought to live in caves deep underground, which ties in with another conspiracy theory that there is called an inner earth civilization. Oh, that's a fun one. <laughs> I am not interested. Uh, we're not going to get into that one here today, but uh, apparently Mandy knows all about it. It's a good <laughs> yeah, one you could... to go to while you're bored. Yes, definitely. Travel down that rabbit hole on your own. Yeah. Okay. We're not linking one single source for that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there's absolutely zero scientific evidence to support the idea that there are otherworldly creatures among us. A possible explanation for believing in such a thing is simple cognitive dissonance. People really want to believe that humans are inherently good and that they seek out an explanation for evil and destruction in the world. That makes sense. I can get that. Yes. The idea that there must be something else causing it all or controlling us and making us behave badly. Since believers of this theory claim that reptilians control our minds and make us believe they are human, the theory cannot technically be disproven. I can't with that line. That, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> Making it a perfect conspiracy theory for seasoned conspiracy theorists to believe in. And seasoned in conspiracy is a great and very polite way to describe a woman named Sherry Schreiner. This was a woman who was exposed as a cult leader in 2017 after two of her followers were involved in a bizarre shooting that left one of them dead. I'd love to tell you a lot of information about who exactly Sherry Schreiner was, but one of the many bizarre things about this story is that despite the fact that this case was highly publicized, to this day, there is still no real information out there about the background of Sherry Schreiner. I could go off on a tangent about that because I think it is really strange and especially in light of other things in the story, but I will save my ranting about that for later. So we know that she was born in 1975 in the United States and that she attended Kent State University and graduated with a few degrees. She had a degree in journalism, political science, and in criminal justice. It's unclear how she went from there to becoming the founder of an alien reptile cult, but that's what happened. Sherry was a self-ordained messenger of the highest God who shared her prophecies and beliefs in a Facebook group and in several books that she wrote and self-published on this topic. She also shared her message through YouTube channels, Twitter, and various blogs. And when I say YouTube channels, I mean she would have these like very antiquated graphics. Like it wasn't her, not videos of her talking. She was voicing over and it was just like, these weird images with like really crappy graphics would play, you know, while she was talking and sharing her her words that she was sharing. Like public access? What do you mean? Oh, public access TV. You oh, know yeah, how like yes, those yes, old things? Yeah. Yes, yes, just like that. So you never actually saw her. Um, and I couldn't find, as hard as I tried, uh, could not find a picture of this woman to save my life. But I did find one source that had a little bit of information about the way that she 
what her appearance was like. Um, it said that she was in her late 30s to early 40s during the events of our story and that she was five foot four, 110 pounds and had a size five shoe. So she was a pretty petite woman. The same source also said that she had black eyes and black hair. So I immediately got this like image. I don't know, Melissa, you're not into scary movies, but that old, old movie, The Ring, where the girl with the black hair comes Terrifying. out of the TV. I've seen it. That's what I was picturing when I saw, when I heard mm, this description. I like it. She's this very tiny woman with black hair and black eyes. Like the, I immediately thought that's the girl from The Ring. So um, I don't know if that's how she actually looked because like I said, I could not find a photo of her. Although I'm not entirely sure how far back Sherry goes on the internet, I did find one blog of hers that was still active that you could access online that dated back to 2003. This story took place in 2017. So Sherry Schreiner actually had a very long run, which means that people out there were actually listening to her, reading her blogs and books, and eventually following her every word for years. And what exactly was it that she was preaching? Well, it was that the New World Order was working with aliens and demons to take over the world and that reptilian aliens pose as humans and dump snakes down people's throats to steal their souls. (laughs) Beep, beep. Can you back that up? They're just (laughs) dumping snakes down people's throats? Yeah. And why don't you hear about this happening? Does no one have a gag reflex? (laughs) Right. So in Sherry's world, zombies also exist. And the only way to stop them is with Oregon. No, not like Oregon, the state. We're not depending on you guys up there. We're talking about Oregon, which is a mythical substance that kills these zombies and keeps them away from you. The foundational belief of Sherry Shriner followers is that there's a race of devil-worshipping, shape-shifting reptiles from outer space trying to infiltrate human civilization. These beliefs are somehow tied to Christianity in that Shriner believers still believe in God. They just believe these reptile people are something conjured up by Satan. As we've said before, this particular belief is not one that you're likely to arrive at unless you've had plenty of priming, because in order to believe in this, you have to believe in a lot of other conspiracy theories first. Sherry also helped her listeners kind of get there, though. She also yammered on about her channels, about what she considered false flag events and the Illuminati. So she really was a one-stop shop for conspiracy theory enthusiasts and believers. So it was early in the 2000s when Sherry started to put herself out there online, and she really started to get the attention of a group of people who had similar beliefs, or at least were willing to hear more about this. Her following eventually grew to more than 20,000 subscribers, which she referred to as her ministry. Okay, can I just say that growing your audience to 20,000 really is not like a small feat. Like I'm I'm impressed with her that she was able to that quickly gain that many followers. Listen, lizard, you, you don't don't cheer for her. <laughs> I'm not cheering for her. I'm I am acknowledging. I'm acknowledging. Yes, I am very surprised. <laughs> yeah, no, that it that's a lot. And so these followers to her videos and blogs really trickled over to Facebook, where Sherry posted multiple times a day in the Facebook group. As the years passed, Sherry's followers became devout, and many of them have been really loyal since the beginning. One such follower was a man by the name of Stephen Minio. When he first began following Sherry, Stephen was still a pretty young kid. He was barely even 18 years old. By the time he joined Sherry's Facebook group, he was well into his 20s and fully invested in the cult of Sherry Schreiner. Outwardly, Stephen wasn't the type of person you might expect to be involved in something like this. He was a pretty good-looking guy, very polite, and it wasn't until he started rambling on about his conspiracy beliefs that you even knew anything was really off about him. We're saying something was off about him, but we want to be clear those are not our words. Stephen's own friends admitted that he was kind of an odd one. One of Stephen's best friends said that Stephen's beliefs are one of the things that kept him from having relationships, but otherwise he said he never came off as creepy or weird until he mentioned Oregon and Sherry Schreiner. Stephen's mom described him as being shy with girls and a bit awkward socially. He was really withdrawn and isolated during those teen years. His mental state could have been related to alleged abuse at the hands of his mother's husband. When Stephen was just 16 years old, his mom fled the relationship and didn't see Stephen for years, but kept up with him on Facebook. He spent much of this time, and we mean a lot of this time, on the internet or otherwise in front of a screen. Sherry and Stephen really formed this personal relationship that was similar to that of a mother and a son, and they got along with each other and really cared for each other. 
It was through Sherry's Facebook group that Stephen became acquainted with a woman that caught his eye. She was older than him by 10 years, but Barbara, or she went by Barb, Rogers stood out to him through her comments on posts in Sherry Schreiner's Facebook group. They would interact there and comment back and forth to each other, and eventually they took this conversation to private messages where the two became good friends. And we're going to get back into so much more of the story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. all have heard the benefits of adding ginger to our diets, but not everyone has a taste for ginger. So we were excited to learn of the amazing benefits ginger can have as an essential oil as well. That's why we're using ginger. That's ginger with two J's. Ginger is a new, high-quality, and all-natural ginger essential oil that we are obsessed with. After a long day, aka every single day, I can pull out ginger to massage on my muscles, especially near my jaw where I'm constantly grinding my teeth while communicating with a preteen, and it really helps relieve my muscle tension. And unlike other essential oils, ginger contains jojoba and evening primrose carrier oils, so you can use it directly on your skin. Ginger can also be used in a diffuser to get the same benefits like mental clarity or soothing sore muscles after workouts. What really stands out with ginger is that they use a special extraction process that helps remove micro-impurities, which means I'm getting a higher purity ginger oil than I could find anywhere else. For any moms who are pregnant or breastfeeding, just make sure to check with your doctor before trying this amazing essential oil. Trust us, you'll love ginger as much as we do. And right now we have an amazing deal to get you started. 20% off your first purchase, but you have to go to J-I-N-J-E-R dot U-S slash moms. Don't wait. That's ginger with two J's dot U-S slash moms. I think we'd all agree that making changes to live a healthier lifestyle can feel astronomical, but it really doesn't have to be that way. Making small changes, even one at a time, can add up really quickly. And if you're looking for a way to start in your home, might we introduce Grove Collaborative? I'm sure you've heard us talking about Grove in the past, but that's because we are huge fans of them and really love that we can have things like personal care and beauty products sent directly to our homes. If you want to go green, but you don't know where to start, you've come to the right place. Grove wants to make it easy for you. You can browse their site for literally thousands of home, beauty, and personal care products that you know are guaranteed to be good not only for you, but for your family, your home, and the planet. I love that I can shop for all my needs in one place instead of driving all over town or scouring different websites looking for different products. It's both convenient and economical. If you aren't sure where to start, you can browse categories for things like hand soap, toothpaste, or even floor cleaners, which is how I found Aunt Fanny's carpet refresher that is basically a miracle in a bottle, or Grove Co's hydrating hand sanitizer, which I swear by. Grove has everything you need for every member of your family, even of the canine variety. Choosing products that are better for you and the planet has never been easier. For a limited time, when our listeners go to grove.com mm, you will get to choose a free starter set with your first order. Go to grove.com mm to get your exclusive offer. That's grove.com mm. Now back to the episode. So before the break, we really were... Oh my gosh, we've barely even gotten into uh, the parts of the story. Um, but we had just introduced the characters, Stephen Minio and Sherry Schreiner, and how they were together involved in this cult of Sherry's. And Stephen was following her on Facebook and eventually met this woman, Barbara Rogers, online on the Facebook group. They caught each other's eye and had similar conspiracy beliefs. So they hit it off really it's love. well. Yes. Barbara Rogers was a 42-year-old Army veteran who had been suffering from PTSD since her time spent in the service. At one time, Barb was a bubbly and energetic music lover who enjoyed the sounds of Billy Idol, Oasis, and The Smiths, and she was also a dedicated mom to her daughter, Alina. But now, Barb was paranoid and depressed, and she too turned to Sherry Schreiner for comfort and answers about the present and the future. Just like Stephen, Barb also believed what Sherry Schreiner taught her followers and took it all very seriously. The two of them hit it off well, and things moved quickly. Stephen was really excited to have found a woman who he liked and that also understood him on a deeper level and shared some of his thoughts and beliefs, which was something he really had never found before. As we said, his beliefs were kind of what kept him from having many relationships, according to his close friend. And he was always shy and awkward with women, so this really was an especially exciting time for Stephen. Stephen became enthralled with Barb very quickly and invited her to come and visit him up north and to meet him in real life. 
Barb agreed, and she flew up from Florida for the first of what would turn into several visits to see Stephen. By the fourth visit, Stephen and Barb were sure they were in love, and that this was really something real. So Stephen asked if Barbara would give up her life in Florida and move up north to be his wife. And I'm actually using air quotes around the word wife because Stephen said that they didn't need the government to be involved in a marriage, and they didn't have to do this through the government. So they weren't actually going to be legally married. He said if they just were committed to each other and felt that way towards each other, they would consider themselves husband and wife. So that's what they did. From the point that Barb moved up north, they considered themselves married. Stephen was compelled to move to the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania because he believed that this would be the best and the safest place to ride out Armageddon. And he convinced Barb that that's where they should go and live together. Prior to moving to Pennsylvania, he lived in New York and New Jersey, where he grew up in a completely different way of life than the one that he eventually cultivated for himself and for Barb in the mountains. According to Barb, it was actually a great life. They lived in a tiny, tiny, tiny studio apartment. It had a bathroom, but otherwise it was just one little room where they had a bed and a small kitchenette area that was set up. At this point, though, Barb said that not only was she in love with Stephen, but now she actually needed him because she literally gave up everything that she knew back in Florida to start a new life with him. And she barely even knew this guy and she met him on the Internet, has now, you know, moved up, moved states for him. So not only does she really actually care for him, but she really is depending on him now. She actually needs him because she doesn't have anything up there. But Barb said that they were very happy and very much in love, and those who knew them did seem to agree that they were quite taken with each other. Although Stephen's circle of friends also said they thought something was odd about the relationship, they couldn't put their finger on it. Mostly, I think, they just couldn't figure out really what Barb's motives were in the relationship with Steve. As we said, she was about 10 years older than him, and they were thinking – Maybe, you know, maybe she's not quite all there if she believes in some of these same conspiracy theories that Stephen is always talking about. So they were they did have some concerns. But Barbara hadn't come from a longstanding background in conspiracy theories the same way that Stephen had basically grown up with them after he started following these various conspiracy theories while he was still a teenager. Barbara came from a completely different background. As we said before, she was in the army for a time and she really seemed to have her life mostly together. Before joining the army, Barb did have a bit of a rough time after she got pregnant by a man she met at the Job Corps. Barb gave birth to a baby girl, Elena, but the relationship between herself and Elena's father didn't work out and the two split a short time after Elena was born. After that, Barb sent Elena to live with her mom, who was Elena's grandma, while Barb joined the army and tried to get her life back on track. While in a military vehicle training course, Barb met another man by the name of Joel, who she quickly fell in love with. About three to four months in, they had already decided to get married. At this point, though, Barb still hasn't mentioned that she has this daughter named Elena to this new love, Joel. But when she tells him about it, Joel is actually really excited and can't wait to be a stepdad. At first, the marriage was really fun and exciting, and Barb and Joel bonded over their love of music, and they had really a lot of fun times together. Eventually, the couple had a baby boy of their own who they named Gabriel. It was sometime after Gabriel was born that Barb's mental state began to take a decline. Joel said things became really darker and that Barb became more and more sad. Her mental state deteriorated to the point of depression and psychosis, and she believed that she was hearing things at night. She arrived at the idea that demons were out to get her, and so she started contacting the chaplain on post to help her get rid of them. Barb was a lifelong follower of the Christian faith, and she was raised in church, so she believed that whatever was upsetting her was actually a force of evil. Barb was very adamant that she wanted help from these perceived beings, and she became suicidal when her symptoms could not be helped. One night, Barb sadly did make an attempt on her life. It was her young son who noticed her crying hysterically and went to get his dad, Joel, to see what was wrong. When Joel approaches Barb this night, she tells him that it was quote-unquote over and that she had just taken a lot of pills to end her life. Joel immediately calls for an ambulance to come get her, and while he's on the phone calling for help, Barb actually grabbed a bottle of bleach and drank what Joel called a lot of it. Wow. Yeah. That's terrifying. So sad. It is. Yeah. She was taken to the local military hospital and treated and was later given a medical discharge, and the couple really tried to retain some semblance of a normal appearance in the army. 
but things only got worse. Joel seemed to be really heartbroken that things went this way. He really still loved and cared for Barb as the mother of his children and the woman that she was when they first met. Barb eventually spiraled down a path of no return, and Joel divorced her sometime around 2010 or 11. It was around the same time that Barb discovered Sherry Schreiner, and she became interested in specifically her talks about what the Bible says about the relationship between good and evil and the relationship between God and Satan. These were really particularly interesting topics to Barb, and she had been interested in them since she was a young child. So Barb joined the Facebook group and would mostly lurk and read other posts in there, but occasionally she would ask questions and get a response from Sherry, or she would interact with other followers on the page. As we said, that's how she met Stephen in 2011. The couple was infatuated with each other, which probably had a lot to do with the fact that this was the first real relationship Stephen had ever even been in. Once the couple was settled in Pennsylvania, they continued to live a somewhat reclusive life, glued to their screens, consuming content by Sherry Schreiner and other conspiracy theorists and interacting with fellow believers online. This place where they lived was supposed to be somewhat off the grid, and it was pretty rural, but they did have some neighbors. The neighborhood was kind of close-knit, and they would gather around outside a bonfire on a regular basis, and one of the neighbors said that the impression he got from Stephen and Barbara was that they were a very old-school couple and that Barb was what he called subservient to Stephen. The same neighbor also said that he witnessed weird things from Stephen, such as him going outside and scattering these pucks around the yard. And we later find out that what he was doing was putting out this Oregon rock that was meant to stave off the alien, vampire, demon, reptilian people. Uh, So things were going fine in this unconventional relationship, although outsiders did think it was a bit strange. It did seem to work for the two of them. They really had a pretty drama-free marriage until something happened in April of 2017 that set a very bizarre series of events into motion. Now, as hard as this is going to be to believe, the catalyst at the heart of this story is really just a food porn style post that Barbara made on Facebook. So we've all seen our friends have posted yummy foods or recipes and they're just sharing them with, you know, their friends list. Or we've seen people, you know, who make beautiful dishes of their own that want to share them and get, you know, all the likes and hearts and everything. But it wasn't just the fact that Barb shared a photo of food on Facebook. It was what that food was that caused all this chaos to erupt. It was a photo of steak tartare with minced garlic. Obviously, reptile, alien, demon food. Obviously, unacceptable (laughs) to the likes of Sherry Schreiner. And obviously, just not really a good situation for Barb to find herself in. So when Sherry and co. saw this photo, there was an immediate mob of people that were after Barbara. They were calling her a witch. They were attacking her verbally, accusing her of being a Satanist, all this crazy stuff over this photo of steak tartare. Sherry Schreiner herself was personally involved in much of this. She posted on her social media platforms to all of her followers um, about this, you know, about this random woman posting steak tartare. Now Sherry Schreiner is announcing to all of her followers that this woman has done this. And she was asking the question, what Christian girl goes around ingesting raw hamburger meat? I don't eat raw hamburger meat. I mean, that's. That's not even what the picture was. It's steak tartare. Exactly. So it's not like she just went and got like, I don't know. Anyway, we'll set that aside. And one of Sherry's YouTube ramblings, she said, quote, there's only certain types of people who crave the raw meat because they crave the blood. Those with the vampire demon in them. End quote. Okay. So I guess people who like to eat their steak, anything under well done, like, I hope that's not the reason. Good grief. That's like, Oh, my goodness. Okay. I was wondering why I couldn't see myself, my reflection in the mirror anymore. Right. <laughs> <First of> all, <laughs> medium rare steak I've Seriously. eaten. <laughs> so Sherry Schreiner tried to warn Stephen that he really should get Barb out of his life because she's possessed and she's actually a reptilian masquerading as a human <gasps> girlfriend for Stephen. Just terrible. And as you might imagine, this isn't the sort of thing that Sherry is just going to let go of. There's no way she's just going to have a reptilian infiltrating her little circle, which, by the way, she said was not a cult at all in the slightest. (laughs) Out of curiosity, has anyone running a cult ever said this is a cult? cult. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like first rule of cults is we don't acknowledge this is a cult. 
Right, exactly. So this issue over this steak tartare escalated. The online attacks against Barbara were vicious. And can you imagine people like you post a picture of a steak and people are like, you're going to hell. This is you're Listen, a demon. This I is a, get what? upset. I get upset when people will post on our anything that we share and say mm. that we pronounced a word wrong. So like, no, I cannot imagine people coming after me and saying these kind of things and being relentless about it and nasty and hateful. Oh, my gosh. What a stressful situation for her. Yeah, I can't. Oh, it's super upsetting. Um, So Sherry claims that she always had this bad feeling about Barb and thought she was really no good from the beginning. She allegedly never approved of this relationship between Barb and Stephen. Some theorize that Sherry felt threatened when Barb came into the picture. She felt like this relationship and maybe her influence over Stephen would change now that he had this girlfriend. In light of these online attacks against his wife, Stephen stood by Barb's side and defended her. He said it was absurd and totally ridiculous to claim that Barb was anything other than a human being. He was super offended that Sherry and other members of this group were saying such things about Barb. Instead of listening to Sherry and banishing Barb from his life, Stephen went a different direction with it and began to openly criticize the cult, refusing them to continue to disrespect the woman he loved. I will say when I got to this part of the story, I did not think that's where it was going to go. So kudos to Stephen for taking- Yeah, he really was trying. I mean, it's clear that he really cared about Barb and you know, he was personally offended that they were saying these kinds of terrible things, especially because he does follow these beliefs and he knows, you know- what that would mean, you know, if that were true. So of course, he's like, absolutely not. Like, don't say that terrible. That's like the worst thing you could possibly say about his wife, you know. So over a month after this photo of the tartar was posted, the allegations of being a reptilian were still going on. And Barb actually made another Facebook post to try to defend herself. She said, quote, I like to try exotic foods, and I will continue to do so. It's fun and does not make me some inhuman entity. To think I am is quite laughable indeed, end quote. Steve found himself in a position where he's going to have to choose. It's either Barbara or Sherry Schreiner, and he chose Barb. However, this was really anything but an easy thing for Steven to do. Keep in mind, he's been following Sherry since he was a teenager, and as crazy as the things that she's said were, he really believed in them and he believed in her. So breaking ties from Sherry and this cult was very, very upsetting for Stephen. He was really heartbroken over it. Stephen turned that grief, though, into anger and actually directed it at the cult itself, taking to YouTube with several videos in which he attempted to expose Sherry and her cult. These videos were titled things like Sherry Schreiner exposed by her own followers and Sherry Schreiner is extremely desperate that she's been exposed. And lastly, Sherry Schreiner supporters are mentally sick, end quote. And we still have more to get into, and we will after one last break to hear word from this week's sponsors. I've talked a little about our sweet and sassy GSP puppy, Lila. She's getting bigger now and is less of a puppy. And instead of snuggling on the couch with me all the time, now she wants to run, explore, and bark at all the fun birds flying overhead. I want Lila to have a little freedom and independence in our large yard, but much like I can be a helicopter mom, I can also be a helicopter pet mom. That's why when it comes to keeping Lila safe, happy, and secure, I knew the Halo collar was the only collar I would use. Halo is the only smart system with a collar that trains, tracks, and protects your dog so they can safely run free. We've been using our Halo collar and the training program it comes with for a couple of weeks now, and we've been amazed at how well Lila has responded to it. Being able to set invisible fences and create boundaries within our yard means Lila has more room to birdwatch and I don't have to worry about her wandering too far or into a dangerous area like the road or into the woods. I thought it would take a while before she figured out what her boundaries were, but after just a couple of days, she was already getting the hang of it and automatically staying within the bounds. And since I'm still a worrier by nature, Halo has my back with GPS tracking that works without cell service or Wi-Fi. So I know that if Lila ever did get separated from me, it wouldn't be long before I found her. Take advantage of this special limited time introductory offer today. Save 20% on your Halo collar by going to shophalocollar.com slash moms. That's shophalocollar.com slash moms to save 20%. You must go to this site to get this offer, and it can only be gotten here, shophalocollar.com slash moms. 
Migraines are quite literally the worst. When I have a migraine, I have a hard time doing anything, including eating. And when I'm not eating, I am not happy. Luckily, Cove is there to help make my migraines less of a headache. Cove is a leading online migraine clinic, and they specialize in the diagnosis and treatment of migraines. But my favorite part is that I can speak to them all from the comfort of my own home. In the U.S., there's only one specialist per 80,000 migraine sufferers. So Cove makes quality care both accessible and affordable. When I checked out Cove, I simply went to withcove.com and completed an online consultation, which was actually created by leading neurologists. So you know it's going to be as thorough as an in-person doctor's visit. Next, a licensed doctor reviewed my information and recommended a custom treatment plan that fits my needs. With Cove, there's no waiting for doctor's appointments or pharmacy lines, just access to specialized care to help me better control my migraines. What's even better is that Cove is actually affordable. Their doctor's fees and prescriptions are as little or even less than most insurance copays with prescriptions starting at just $10 a month. With Cove, you can actually have more migraine-free days. Go to withcove.com mm for 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping. That's 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping at withcove.com mm. Spelled W-I-T-H-C-O-V-E dot com slash M-M. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about how tensions are really, really high between Stephen Minio, his girlfriend, wife, Barbara Rogers, and this cult of Sherry Shriner. That's not really a cult, but it is a cult. So although it does sound like just a lot of weird internet drama, this kind of thing really does spill over into people's real lives. And as I said, the tension over the feuding that they were involved in was all-consuming and was highly emotional for Stephen. On May 30th, 2017, Stephen actually called the police about this harassment and some threats that he'd been receiving on Facebook. A patrol officer in the area named Officer Borman made contact with Barbara and Stephen, who told them that they had received an email that read, quote, when we get you, we're going to feed your wife to Queen Sherry, end quote. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah, that's uh, – did anybody know Sherry was eating people? I, I Not until now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the person who sent this message also attached photos of Stephen's actual residence with the email. So it's like was saying Yikes. like this is like a threat and also here, we know where you live. So of course the couple was scared. But Detective Borman assured them that this was nothing to be worried about. This was nothing more than internet trolling and nobody was out to actually consume their flesh. So he told Stephen to contact him again if anything else did come up. 
he never heard from the couple again. But this really was all starting to take a toll. And when Stephen started releasing these videos of himself on YouTube speaking out against Sherry and the cult, things really escalated and Sherry and her followers really went after him. Stephen was getting worn down and so stressed out. In July of 2017, he hired a PI named Philip Bell to help him on his quest to expose Sherry and the cult. He was asking for specific things, like he wanted a photo of Sherry smoking cigarettes, and he also wanted a video of Sherry where somehow she admitted that she was who she was. So, of course, she's not supposed to know that she's being recorded by this PI, but he wants her to somehow be set up where she's saying, like, either her name or she's admitting or whether he calls her name and she looks over, somehow acknowledging that she is Sherry Schreiner in the video. So these are the things that he's requesting. And is that basically because nobody really knows what she looks like? I am not sure on exactly why he wanted these things. I think the cigarettes was specifically because he was trying to prove that she also went against the teachings that she was preaching about, about having to not do certain things or, you know, certain things not being holy enough and um, whatever. So I think he was trying to prove that she um, was a hypocrite and that she was a fake. And that was kind of his journey. He was on was to prove that she was this false prophet and that she doesn't even live by these things that she says, wolf in sheep's clothing, all of that. So that's kind of where he was going with this. Probably he did want like proof of who she was because it doesn't sound like she really put her face out there. Right. It sounds like she just had all these people following her, literally not even knowing what she looked like, which is just, I guess that's what you do in a cult. How It's just crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So Stephen told Philip the address of the P.O. box that Sherry would post on her channels um, where she collected donations. And he wanted Philip to kind of go there and wait it out and see if he would spot Sherry going there. Philip, hearing this, of course, he's an experienced and professional PI, and he's thinking, this is going to be so easy. You know, he basically said, I don't care if someone comes to me and says they want a picture of a person smoking cigarettes, I don't care what they're going to do with it. Hey, I will get the photo, you know, like it doesn't matter to me. And he's thinking this is going to be really, really easy. He had no idea what he was really getting into. But he told Stephen that this job was probably going to take about 20 hours and it was going to cost $1,700. Of course, Stephen doesn't have $1,700 just laying around to pay somebody to go and hunt down Sherry for him. So he's like, you know, what's the least amount of time that you will take um, my case for? What's the lowest amount that you can do? The PI said I can do four hours of work minimum for one case. So Philip said, okay, he took it on. He has four hours. He did find a physical address for Sherry that was not a P.O. box. And he decided that he was going to go out there himself and check it out. So he drove out there and the house had this super duper long driveway. You couldn't even see the actual residence from the road because of how long the driveway was. The house was actually in the bushes and trees. You couldn't see it on Google Maps. You couldn't see it just on a drive-by. So when he went there, he really couldn't see much. He didn't see anything, any activity outside. He didn't see Sherry. He went there a second time and tried to see her again. Also was kind of a strikeout. Didn't really get anything. Right. Stephen's only paid for four hours of time. So this is really as far as this private investigation went. And Philip never heard anything about it again. So, I mean, that kind of stinks. You know, you pay for paid for your four hours and you got the guy to go drive, do a drive by and got nothing. Yeah. So like didn't go anywhere. But Stephen was without a doubt still very much in emotional turmoil over all of this. He was engaged in constant back and forth with Sherry, exchanging hateful messages and emails. On July 15th, 2017, Stephen spent most of the day participating in this back and forth. But later that evening, Barb convinced him to go out to a local bar to get a drink and just to kind of relax a little bit, take the edge off, get your mind off of all this Facebook drama, this reptile cult business. Let's just go out and have a nice night. So they ended up going out and staying at this bar until the bar closed down and then they went home. According to Barbara, things were normal that night and they were happy and they had a great time. But hours later, she would be calling 911 in a panic. When the couple got home from the pub that night, they were a little buzzed from the drinks that they had had earlier, and it was really getting late into the night. Barbara said that she was just tired and she wanted to lay down and get some rest, but Stephen insisted that she go outside into the backyard with him while he practiced shooting his gun. The apartment where they lived actually backed up to the woods, and Stephen liked to go out there and practice shooting from time to time. 
So Stephen loaded up his gun and they went outside and he fired off a few rounds into the night. When the couple got back into the apartment, things took a bizarre turn. And for this part of the story, we really only have Barbara's side of things to go by. And it sounds really off the wall when you hear it, at least at first. According to what Barbara later told authorities, Stephen began acting erratically inside the apartment, and he allegedly placed a gun into Barbara's hands and told her to pull the trigger while pointing the gun at himself. Barbara said she was horrified and obviously did not want to shoot Stephen, but his hands were wrapped around hers on the gun, and she said he squeezed her hands, causing her to pull the trigger, fatally shooting Stephen in the forehead. And if you got whiplash from how quickly that came out of nowhere in the story— Welcome to the club. It really did happen that fast. Wow. Yeah. One second, Stephen's alive in the room with Barb, and the next second, he was shot dead. And Barbara seemingly had no idea how this had just happened in the blink of an eye. Once Barb realized she had just shot her boyfriend to death, she dials 911 and hysterically tells them what happened. She said, quote, My boyfriend, he had a gun. He grabbed me and he told me, Here, put this here. He grabbed me and he told me, Here, press this trigger. Oh my gosh, he's dead, end quote. She said a couple times that she had hoped that this was a nightmare and she could not believe what was happening. From the very beginning, Barb admitted to being the one that was holding the gun when it went off. But her claim was that Stephen told her to pull the trigger and shoot him. She said that in the struggle of trying to let go of the gun while Stephen had his hands around it, it went off. According to Barb's account, this was a complete accident and she had no intention of ever harming or killing Stephen. Emergency personnel were immediately dispatched to the apartment. Oh, my goodness. As I was researching this story, I kind of vaguely remembered hearing about it back in 2017 because I remember thinking what a crazy situation it was that what her story was, that he was pointing the gun at himself. They both had their hands around it. It was just this chaotic time where she's trying to let go of the gun and he's got his hands wrapped around her hands and the gun goes off and she's like, oh my gosh, what has just happened? I remember thinking, I need to pay attention to what happens in this story. Apparently I never did because I didn't know about all of this other stuff that has yeah. come out since then. So I'm very happy that, you know, we're talking about this story today. But yeah, what a bizarre can you imagine what a bizarre call for a 911 operator or for and for the police to respond to and just not really even understanding exactly what is going on here. Right. It just sounds totally chaotic and you have this person. Um you sent me a clip of uh the 911 call and she is hysterical and not in a way that I think we hear some 911 calls, like I genuinely believed her just shock and, you know, wherever it was coming from, she was in shock and freaking out. Right. She she really sounded like she just did not know what just happened. She had right. not processed what had just happened fully. So Detective Lucas Bray was on call that night that this came in. His partner, Detective John Borman, was a 20-year veteran of the department, and he lived close to the address, so he started making his way over there. He met up with Detective Bray ahead of time so they could listen to the 911 tape together. These detectives, when they first heard the 911 tape, did not agree with Melissa and I about Barbara sounding genuine on the call. They thought that she was acting and exaggerating her emotions, and they were confused, as I said, by what was even going on. Did she kill him? Did he kill himself? These were all questions that they needed more information to answer. When officers arrived, they found Stephen Minio dead on the floor with a single gunshot wound to the forehead. Based on what the officers could see, it appeared that the gun was fired at extremely close or point-blank range. There were no signs of a struggle or any indication that an altercation took place, and it didn't look like Stephen's body had been moved or touched at all. There was a Glock 45 laying about five feet from the body, but Detective Bray thought it looked like the gun could have been placed in that position. Could or could not, maybe. The officers again asked Barbara what on earth happened here, and she told them that her boyfriend had been upset over an ongoing feud with an online cult, and that he pointed a gun at himself, forced it into her hands, and then made her pull the trigger. She said they were standing up when this happened. Just based on what the officers could see with a preliminary look around, they believed that Barbara was either lying 
or incorrectly remembering what happened because the position of Stephen's body led them to believe that he was actually sitting down at the time he was shot by Barbara, who was standing up in front of him. So this was definitely one of the stranger cases that Detective Bray had ever been a part of, but he wanted to interview Barbara with an open mind and really hear her side of the story. So Barbara went with the officers to the station for questioning. She told them again the same story about how the shooting was a freak accident, that it all happened so quickly, and she did not intend to shoot her boyfriend in the head. She told them about Sherry Schreiner and the cult-like following that she had, and she told them that the last few months had been really, really awful, and there had been a lot of turmoil because Sherry and the other members of her group believed that Barbara was a reptile vampire, and they had been relentlessly harassing her and Steve about it. According to what Barbara was telling them, it sounded like Steve had become so distraught over the ongoing battle with the cult that he wanted to end his life, and in a manic state, he ordered Barb to shoot him and then forced her to do it. But the story she gave about the two of them standing up when the gun was fired didn't match the evidence at the crime scene, and that made the officers feel like maybe Barb could be lying about that and about other things as well. Despite Barb's numerous statements to the effect of this being an accident, the investigators refused to accept that as an answer and continued to interrogate her until eventually a very dazed and confused Barbara admitted that Stephen was sitting on the floor when she accidentally shot him. At multiple points in the interview, Barbara stated that she was tired and scared. When one of the officers told her that they believed she had done this on purpose, Barb said, quote, no, I would never shoot him on purpose, but it is possible he was sitting on the ground. It all happened so fast, end quote. I feel like this makes total sense. I, if you've, okay, so a few months ago, I had to call 911 for something I'm not involved in, my family's not involved in, something I saw. And having to give a statement to the police and they're asking and talking me through things, it's so hard in that moment to yes. even remember. And I wasn't involved. So I can't imagine if you're the one involved, you just see the person you love, you know, fall on the floor. There are those details that aren't even registering for you. I cannot imagine how that would feel, you know. And especially, right, and especially if what she's saying is true and it really happened like that, I cannot imagine being in her shoes if her story is real. If what she's saying is true and this is how it went down, I can't you, – you can't even fathom the shock that you would be in and to have to go and sit in a police station and answer questions and they already are kind of assuming that you are guilty and that you did it on purpose – uh, just it's a it's a hard I it's hard to even think of being in that position because I just can't imagine it and and at this point in the story like I said if this is true I feel really really sorry for her yeah for sure detectives continued to question and push Barb towards a confession but she kept stating over and over again that this is an accident and tells them she didn't know what they wanted her to say but the detectives were convinced that she had done this on purpose and the fact that her story kept quote unquote changing only added fuel to their fire. They felt comfortable with the evidence that they had combined with her interview responses to arrest her and charge her with murder. In their eyes, there was no one else involved. No one else was there but the two of them. The victim was shot once in the head, execution style, and Barb was the one holding the gun. Sounds like a pretty open and shut story, right? Well, not so much. Believe it or not, we have just scratched the surface of the story. There is still so much more to get into, including what Sherry Schreiner had to say when she learned about Stephen's death and how the investigation uncovered another murder that was possibly connected to the very same cult that Stephen and Barb were involved in. For as many wild twists and turns as we've already experienced, there are still just as many more to come. And we're going to get all into that next week in part two of this fascinating story. We hope you will come back for it. It's cray cray. We do hope you will come back for it. There is honestly so much to get into. I cannot even wait. We haven't even gotten into the investigation and it's so much more to the story. So yes, please come back wow. next week for part two. Melissa and I were talking before the episode started that we don't really like like love doing two-part episodes. Um, I would rather just get it all into one. But as I got into this one, I was like, no, nope. This one deserves two parts. It's just in order to do it right, it really needed to be in two parts. So yeah, I'm really excited uh, for next week's episode as well. And we'll hear the conclusion of this one. Perfect. Mandy, before we go, do you want to do last thing before we go? I would love to do last thing before we go. Melissa, I heard that you had something fun and exciting for me today. 
I mean, fun, exciting. Those are all <laughs> relative. Um, I was trying to come up with something uh, for this week. And if you've never listened to our show, this is kind of the part of the show where we have a little bit of a palate cleanser. We do different things every week um, just to kind of end it on a happier, more fun note. So this week, uh, since we were talking about reptiles and reptilian people, I decided to look up the various names of different reptiles. And I wanted you to guess what I really did this wrong. I should have made it more difficult for you, not for me. Um, I'm going to give you the name of an, a reptile that we know, like the common name, and you tell me which of these, um, what are they called? The classifications? They're like the scientific name. name. Scientific name. Thank yeah. you. Scientific name. Um, which one is correct? Okay. So the first one we're going to do is American Toad. So here's your options. Caledra Serpentina, Bufo Americanus. Ciprinus rabrofuscus. Now, do you see why I shouldn't have done this? Um, <laughs> Caledra serpentina, Bufo americanus, Ciprinus rubrofuscus. American toad. Uh, I'm going to say the second one because that's the only one that sounded like it had the word American in it. Good. Bufo americanus. <laughs> Good job. The others were snapping turtle and koi. Okay. Next one. This is catfish. Is it Ictolaris punctae? <laughs> oh my rough. gosh. Reina castabinia, Ciprinus carpio. That's catfish. I think it's going to be the last one. I knew I could get you on that. That's a common carp. Oh. It was Ictolaris punctatus. Punctatus. For catfish? Oh my yeah, gosh. For catfish. Yeah. Can't Never you see why that. we give them like other names? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, next one. Crab. Cultus cod. Cancer magister. Or Bufo Fallery? I have to say the second one, right? Cancer Magister. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. I only uh, know that because I know that like the astrology sign cancer is a exactly. crab. So that's, that's like I how. I thought you could get yeah. it. <laughs> nice job. Okay. Next one. I just have two more. Eel is Gymnothorax Mordax, uh, Squalus Suckley, Testidines. Gymnothorax mordax, squalosuckly, testidines. I hate them all. <laughs> People that can pronounce these, like pronounce things like this, have shut this off. They are okay, just over I'm it. I'm going to say the first one. Isn't that a fun one? Gymnothorax mordax. Is that that's right? Eel. Yeah, that's okay, it. Okay, here is something crazy I need to say because my lovely friend Sarah, and uh, she will probably die laughing when she hears me talking about this. She's a regular listener of the show. Um, I saw recently within the last few weeks, she has been on this like crusade to educate people about the fact that there are uh, no people on this earth who know how eels mate. They have never actually figured this out. I'm not even joking. You can Google it. Go look up. How no, I'm wondering if I follow her Twitter and that's where I've heard that. You, you must You know what I mean? Have. Like I've seen yes. this come up this in the past few weeks because yes. I've never heard that before. Yes. Okay. So anyway, I was like, there's no way. So I started looking and sure enough, no one knows. This is like mind blowing. Nobody knows how they make babies. Like they literally have never been able to figure it out. They don't know where they do it. They don't know how. They don't know where the babies come from. I, I don't know. It's crazy. So go look into that if you are interested in some kind of conspiracy theory. If you want to look into Sarah's reproduction that. systems. Yes, if you want uh, to spend some time with that. Yeah, that's a fun science project for you and your children. So Gymnothorax um. uh, no. <laughs> Mordax, we need to know lots more about you, I guess. Okay, Mandy, my last one. Squid. Lolligo opalace. Opalescens? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Scomber, Japonicus, or Patat? Oh, I hope it's the last one. Oh, that actually means butt in Latin. <laughs> 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 I got bored pulling the names for the animals, and I was like, I'm going to see what butt is in Latin and just throw that in there. Yeah, it's Lolligo Opalescens for squid. Wow. But I think if you're going to take anything from this week, Gymnothorax Mordax most likely means eel. I could still be wrong. <laughs> I got it from a kid's kids reptile page. <laughs> awesome. I love those. That's so fun. So before we go, we are going to be playing the promo from our friend Bethany with the Milk and Murder podcast. She um, has a great podcast, great for parents with little ears around and stuff. She gives warnings if you need to turn things down or, you know, can listen in front of the kids, all that sort of thing. She's a mom of four herself, so she gets that. So check that out. We're going to be playing that right after this. 
Awesome. All right, guys. We will see you back next week. Same time, same place, same story. Ooh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Hey, friend. My name is Bethany. I'm the host of Milk and Murder, a true crime podcast for busy parents that covers cases you've never heard before. I'm a single mom to four kids and three cats, and I know it can feel impossible to catch five seconds to cram some chocolate into your face, a load in your closet, let alone to catch up on your favorite murder podcast. That's why I knew I had to make a podcast with content guides. If little ears are around, you can know when to turn the volume up or down at just the right moment, or maybe whether it would be better to just go ahead and wait until those little nerds are in bed. Meet me at milkandmurder.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.